The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Great to have you in. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kradak, and Damon Ball is in this morning. You can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Mark Skurs for Mark Kradak and at Damon Barr. That's two R's on Twitter. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. I was uh, in spirit with the protesting parents of the Big Ten yesterday. There is, everywhere we turn, there's Big Ten parents, Nebraska parents, folks associated, throwing out data with uh, COVID numbers, refuting the open letter. You had a, uh, a radio host in Columbus who was a seven-year NFL player. He went, uh, he went English professor on the, the open letter and got his red pen of death and circled all the inconsistencies with some questions to statements made in the Big Ten letter. And we are here on a Saturday that... The last week has felt like 20 weeks, and the previous week felt like another 20 weeks. So it's been a wild two weeks, and it finally kind of feels like this door is shut. Bill Moose, of course, speaking Thursday with the uh, Journal Star and World Herald. And, uh, hey, uh, get your uh, earmuffs, get your scarf, and uh, fill up the gas tank to, to perhaps some hub cities. Craydack, good to talk to you. Good to be with you. At least we had high school ball last night. Well, it's something, at least, and we'll see how long that lasts. That might be the only thing you see in Memorial Stadium this year. Well, it seems obvious that's all you'll see if we progress all the way to state football. Um, What a disaster this week was. Uh, (laughs) Look, last week was one thing. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to make the decision. I, I am just... I'm beside myself. You're in communication. So the, the floor is yours. Well, I'm just saying, look, institutions that are that powerful, like the Big Ten, negotiating multi million billion dollar contracts, you have got to have your communications on point. <laughs> they are important. Communication is very important. And for for uni- for any institution that just sort of glosses over that and doesn't think it's that big a deal or doesn't take it seriously or I don't know, but it appears that Kevin Warren's his his appreciation for the importance of communication, if anything, is a dreadfully bad, horrible. Dude, they go. Okay, so let's rewind to his uh, to his his interview with Revson. Mm-hmm. I, I know, it, and that's that was only what two weeks ago. Less that than was, that. That was a week ago, Tuesday, and Wednesday okay. was eight days of silence since 
botched interview on BTN and sit down where nothing more was made clear with Thamel uh, from Yahoo. And then you had another round of sessions post letter with uh, Nicole Arbach, our friend from The Athletic, and also a sit down with Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune. Where he apparently admits that it was botched, and we'll we'll get into that. Communication could be uh, better, yeah, sure. But I'm surprised at the uh, I'm surprised at the uh, the reaction, dude. You're tone deaf, and you're I, in over yeah. your head. And it's no secret that rather than kick your ass out of the NFL, uh, let's let's make one of those. Well, we really like the guy, and we we want to just kind of push him off on someone else. Maybe this is uh, just uh, too far of a leap. But, I mean, the guy's been in, in power less than a year, and it's been the worst year ever to become someone of power, specific, specifically who you're following in Jim Delaney, okay, right. the godfather. And you, 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 you got to punt your Big Ten uh, basketball tournament. You got to shut down the NCAA. You got to chop baseball. I know the NCAA made those calls, but you're conferred with, right? And... And then it's it's yay or nay on this vote. Did it happen? Didn't it happen? Uh, it comes to light that there was a vote. And now you have a group of Nebraska parents with Mike Flood threatening a lawsuit regarding uh, the transparency of 13 of the 14. Uh, yeah. Mike Flood, the state senator. Future. Lawyer. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not a state senator anymore, but he has been and he'll probably run again and be back in the unicameral and former right. leader of the unicameral and, and the guy's got a multi uh he's got a juggernaut media company too by the way i mean he's he's put yeah. together so yeah. yeah i mean you've got all of that on top of the cherry here uh, is this protest that i was hoping from a from a pressure point standpoint where there'd be thousands <laughs> i'll take 30 Angry parents. You thought, they were, you thought it would be a Black Lives Matter level protest? I was hoping. For Big Ten football? Yeah. <laughs> Big Ten football. I was hoping, but the, 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 the letter that came out Wednesday provided not satisfactory answers, but in, in Commissioner Warren's mind, some... Some clarity. Some clarity. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and my... my my anger and frustration towards the commissioner is still high, mm-hmm. but it ain't all his fault. I'm, I'm willing to, to, to backtrack from the pinata assessment here and say, you know what? He's got some real jackasses he's got to work with and work for, and that does not include Nebraska's brass because they wanted to play ball, president, chancellor, on down. And I'm going to even say something nice about Iowa this morning because they were on board too. Yeah. So yeah. It, it comes down to the presidents that they are they are hiding behind their desk. Uh, remember the movie Old School? Yeah. Right? Jeremy Piven's character. Dude's got like 13 of those he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. School presidents or chancellors. Totally understand. Like, hide, like, hide, locking the door, hiding the desk, under the desk. It's not an easy job. And, and no one, no one would say that. But when when you go back to even his interview with Dave Revson, what you could tell from Kevin Warren, and this is something to monitor because it, you could see this rear its head again in other forms. <laughs> what I took from that after watching it, after seeing the letter, 
comparing that to the interview, I don't think their talking points changed much, Mm-mm. right? But his his recall of them in the moment <laughs> and his his ability to execute those talking points in a talking situation were really bad, like really bad. Like almost like he didn't the, know them. The the key message that I that I could gather. And this is from a communication standpoint. So it's an industry I've been in for a while. As I'm as I'm looking at it, he's it's basically the uncertainty is the reason why they're pulling the plug. Mm-hmm. I, I think overall, like if you just strip everything else away, all whatever any word has been said, you, you know, you can always take quotes and content and and sound bites and put them out of context. But at the end of the day, it appears the 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 unknown and the uncertainty was the biggest problem right supported by like causing uncertainty was you know medical professionals saying this and then certain certain universities having this kind of testing protocol and then it's it was uncertainty is is the biggest reason why and he said that during the interviews with Rebson but he didn't say it right <laughs> And he didn't emphasize it enough. And I think if you if, if he had done that and just been really clear, like, guys, this is such an uncertain world. We're in such an uncertain time. We don't have enough definitive data. We don't have enough definitive. You know, we don't have enough um, consistent enough protocols across campuses. It's really uncertain what it's going to look like once students come back on campus. Right. Like. He did. He, it's, that's why they're doing it. Really, I think more than anything, that it's just uncertain. They just don't know. But he didn't. It, it, that's not. That's not what's coming across. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not coming. It did not come across in his interview. They tried to clarify it in his letter. And whether or not you agree with this is another story altogether. Right. Right. Like I'm not saying that's. Uh, it's uncertain. That's why they did it. So we should all be on board. I'm not saying that you want answers and you want shot. the truth as, as yeah. a Nebraska fan and you don't feel you got a satisfactory answer despite the uncertainty being very real with COVID. Right. Right. But you did not but get it's an answer. more reasonable. Right. Sure. Isn't that re- like if that had come across doesn't mean you'd agree with it. Doesn't mean people still wouldn't be pissed. Doesn't mean that there still wouldn't be parents suing and writing letters and mm-hmm. Pro, threatening you know, to picket sue. protesting in front of the BT Big Ten offices, but generally speaking, you would you're like, okay, I, I get that it's uncertain. You would at least understand. But instead, we were left with a week and a half, and I think even still, of just WTF. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? Why? Why? Why is this happening? You know, like we. It's God. It's bad. And the and the reason why that's even it's bad now, but it portends bad things for the future too, because there's going to be other things. And if this is how communication is going to go, dude, I mean, it's not going to be good and you're going to get serious dissension. You've got serious. It. You, you've already, you've already got it. And, and you oh, have yeah. dissension with your athletic directors and head coaches. Cause they were not part of this decision. And I think a week ago, is when things started kind of bleeding out about, all right, uh, back back your kids off. 
commissioner to ADs, we are gonna we're gonna pump the brakes on contact. All right, because there's been some new medical information I've gotten. Uh, this is your commissioner speaking. No padded practice Monday, and you know you you move forward. This is this going back. It'll be it's two weeks today. Okay, just to give you a timeline. Now, the the why did you pull the plug before anybody else on the eleventh has still not been answered. Okay, uh, Doctor Rob Zadiska was with us Tuesday. And we'll get his medical take on things, and we'll also get his insight as to that why. Why did the Big Ten feel the need to go first? And then you've got the NCAA that has granted blanket waivers for if you're hosed because of COVID, you get an extra year. So your scholarship numbers and roster management are now really, really insane, and they're already tough to deal with if you're a football coach with 85 scholarships. On top of the transfer, more relaxed transfer portal rules Thank you. and whatever else, it's, yeah, dude, it's going to be a lot to manage. Well, and, yeah. and if you're Nebraska and you've got some senior dudes that want to play ball, do you blame them for looking elsewhere? The other part of this, too, is what, what eventually happens. We've talked outbreaks. I'm watching Notre Dame. I think you're watching Notre Dame. Uh, do they stick with the no kids, no football mantra? Or do they ease up that stance to, all right, they're distance learning, fine, well, let's play football. Because uh, if Notre Dame sticks to their guns and says, all right, if there's no kids on campus, then we can't play football, that could have a major effect not only with the ACC, but the ACC itself right now is having – Big time problems. If you saw the headline from the Daily Tar Heel this week, oh geez. <laughs> so you got Carolina and Syracuse and Florida State and NC State that, that are problematic. You've got the basketball coaches starting to chirp, and the NCAA realizes, and this is a Bill Moose take that, oh yeah, we got to pay some bills too. We can't not have an NCAA tournament this second year in a row, whenever it is. So I mean, this is this is a monster cluster. And as they say, you know what rolls downhill. Uh, as we look now, the Big 12's playing ball. Uh, the SEC's playing ball. And, uh, of course, uh, you have the ACC that's playing ball. And if you're Lane Kiffin, you're going on fine bomb three times a week, throwing the old line into the water. Come on and play at the SEC. I think kids should be able to transfer. God, how transparent has that been? Right. I, I mean, <laughs> that's been easy to watch. The only thing he hasn't done is given out his cell phone number. I know. Seriously. One eight hundred dial lane. If you wanna, yeah. if you wanna transfer and beef my roster up. <laughs> well, man, but you think you go back to the roster thing that you were talking about, where people just retain eligibility, and so you're going to increase the number of scholarships you have on campus up to, you know, it's eighty five now. Um, so you're looking at what around 105 100 100 yeah something like that you'll, you'll, usually your senior classes aren't a full class of 20 no, you'll guys you'll probably but, like you look at Nebraska's situation i think there's 13 seniors i mean yeah. so you'll be at 97 but what else does that do to depth and what does that do to if you're a freshman or a sophomore that maybe normally would have been playing mm-hmm. had the senior graduated and left but now he didn't leave and so that upsets you and now you well, maybe, I don't know, then you don't get to play, so then you're going to – it's just going to cause 
just going to cause more kind of chaos and confusion, though I applaud it because it does give those kids who had the season ripped away from them a chance. Well, which is great, but it's just it's going to this is going to be around for a number of years. Here's the here's the other thing. Schools trickle down effect. Schools don't have to renew the scholarship. No, they don't. And but you, you, what, you what are you going to do? Are you going to be that school? Well, do you have a guy that's been uh, gravy training your program and contributed nothing? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, how many three or four star dudes that get there aren't aren't cracked up to what it takes to to play a snap, let alone seventy snaps by year four? <laughs> I mean, we can go down the roster here the last ten years of guys that really didn't contribute. Yeah. Well, now, totally. bless their heart, they graduated. That's important. But I'm saying, what's your ROI on beating somebody out for a for a defensive lineman that, that didn't do anything on the field? Maybe he was a good yeah. practice guy. Great, I hope. But as far as in, any numbers uh, in, in conference play, Nebraska's had a lot of those guys on defense. Look, are we surprised, though, that there's these clusters breaking out on college no. campuses with college kids that essentially, uh, I don't they want don't to paint care. too broad a brush here, but they don't really, yeah, they don't really care. Damon Barr cares. Don't think Damon Barr is yeah. very smart and responsible, but yeah. it, it is, it, I mean, you, you've got pictures there's of- enough that don't care. Well, right. I mean, and, and you've got what's going on at Bama. I mean, Bama's in full five alarm mode down there. I talking to my buddy who teaches down there. <laughs> you got a class of 14 that's spaced out. And of the 14, you had two in class yesterday. Because six are quarantined and another uh, another four are COVID positive. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was so day crazy. two. <laughs> it's so crazy. But I, yeah. But I, I don't. I it just. I don't understand how, like dorms are open. <laughs> I mean, it's just. You know those why? Those things are already it's, scratch cesspools. a check. Scratch a check. Scratch I know, me but a those check. Those things are already cesspools of viruses and bacteria, right? Like they're horrifically. I never went I mean, into the old able shower without my flip flops. I don't know about you. Ah. Uh. Bunch of college kids that don't really know how to take care of themselves. I yet. did like the co-ed floor part of it, though. Of course, of course you did. Yeah, big bunny yeah. slippers and a wonderful robe, dear. But right, like those are open all over the country now, and you're just like, oh come on, like what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? And honestly, with football and all that, why wouldn't you? Given that you, it seems like for the most part, people have the opportunity to do online only, right? Sure. For now, if they want, like, why couldn't you just do that for football? Like if, if the concern is, well, with kids back on campus now, you know, we don't want the players to get it. And then they spread it to other kids where, when they're sitting in, in you we're know, back English to the class amateurism and, thing, Cranach. Huh? I said, we are back to the amateurism thing. Uh, yeah, student athletes are students first. I'm air quoting. Uh, so they need to they need to be able to function and perform like a normal student would, and a normal student has that option to go online. But it shouldn't. Uh, if a school's good with telling 
their their football team stay the hell away from the the dorms or the fraternities and I'm not blaming I'm just saying stay away from high risk areas and that that could by the way stay away from said nightclub or bar as well okay let's just let's pick out high risk options stay away do what you can online and uh eventually we'll all get to the uh the old father lecture hall but not this year i got a better idea chris okay how about how about we start how about we play football, football? Yeah, let's start the football season in january in domed stadiums only okay so that way you have two teams traveling to a neutral site <laughs> And both staying in hotels, which I'm sure those hotels would have been completely vacant and completely COVID free, mm-hmm. completely sanitized, hazmat teams in there, hosing it down, polishing it all up. Yeah, what could go wrong then? That's that's great. Let's let's get um, let's get all the teams traveling to a neutral site in cold and in flu hotels. season, huh? In well, don't forget the cold and flu season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe a third wave of this garbage. Perfect. And while while all these athletic departments are just hemorrhaging money, Nebraska just, we didn't even get into this, announced they furloughed 51 employees last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 51. Now, that's that's about, don't quote me on this, but what are there, about 300-some athletic departments? There was 353 in the athletic department. So you, about you had, one out of seven got but furloughed. Prior to that, you you already had a ten percent pay reduction with yep. some of the head coaches, and and you 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 cut staff back in June. Right. So this is your That's second true. wave, and you're furloughed, and you're furloughed from now till the end of December. Fifty one so, great people. Got it. So so. Athletic departments that are having to make these decisions. Iowa just announced they're cutting what? Tennis. Four sports. Um, what they're doing? Tennis, gymnastics. Well, there's one other one. Just cut three sports last night swimming, entirely. Swimming and diving. Swimming. The, no more. No more swimming and diving. Yeah, that big pool and facility and all you coaches and all you kids on scholarship. We, we don't even have a program anymore. Sorry. That's awful. It's gone. Right. So that's happening. So. So within the, the within that that situation within that context, now we're going to just load up people in January, put them on planes, go send them to Detroit or Indy. Uh, Don't forget Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yeah, but in the in the dead of winter, and put them up in hotels for a couple nights. Come on. This is all while do, you're Do, do you're any gonna, of us honestly think that's going to happen? No. Like, I, I don't. And don't forget that you're going to, if you go in January, you're competing with the NFL playoffs, potentially, in those three cities. Uh, and, so how do you even schedule that? And, and, because you and won't even know. Thursday, Friday, can... Saturday, I guess. I mean, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, double headers. And... The other part of this thing, too, is the, the reality that, you know, from insult to injury with travel costs, so you have basketball startup. I mean, even if it is conference only, <laughs> you better figure out a, a, a hub or a bubble for, for hoops, okay? And you better put a bubble 
hub situation in place for your football? And do you do you compete against the NFL the first part of January? Do you wait till after the Super Bowl and go in February? Which would be my take, but you're not going to get your stud players to stay. If if you get them in January, they they may try and put a an eight game schedule together. Or go ahead. Do you maintain the relative bubble that you had in place and give fall a go and then shut it down if it doesn't work out? Yes. Yes. And that's what everybody is saying. But that's just not revisit. Just revisit. That isn't going to happen. And it's been frustrating. The other part of this, too, is from a local economy standpoint. I mean, Nebraska fans would suck it up and deal with football in January here. I, they would. And I know it's not pleasant, but it the Nebraska fans would go. That's why you have hand and feet warmers, right? Uh, or just whiskey. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you, you you have no local dollars coming into your region. <laughs> you don't. No. And th- and that hit would still be significant no matter what because it, it'd be reduced capacity. But at least there'd be something coming in. Here's something. we'll talk with Sharpie about this. But he had the 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 you know the expediency here about naming rights and how do you how do you find some revenue streams? As many advertisers and partners and friends of the program you have that are banks. I mean, if you're Nebraska, do you? Do you reach out and get a line of credit or a loan? Dolman said that Kansas has already secured a $20 million line of credit to help get through oh, this. sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the next move. It's one thing to furlough, but you want to bring those folks back. But you got a $100 million punch in the junk, $120 million punch in the junk. You shaved $3 million off with the furloughs. Okay. That's my new favorite phrase, by the way. Punch in the junk. Yeah, that's good. It is. One that I like it. Okay, maybe it's the show title. Um, So it's it's very clear. Well, it is. So I've got no answer. I still have frustration, and I hope this uh, this Freedom of Information Act and transparency request by uh, Attorney Flood happens. I I don't have faith that it will. The Big Ten will probably ignore, and I want. I want some answers and I want someone to compel these presidents to speak up and quit hiding under their desk. Again, this is not Nebraska nor Iowa or probably even Ohio State I'm talking about. That's what I, pre- I you know, I want to hear I want to I want to know what communication existed at Minnesota or Michigan State or Wisconsin. And I love Barry Alvarez, but where's he been in all of this? And Michigan's president. Yeah. Michigan's what? president, yeah. Mr. Epimediologist. I just but- butchered that, but you get my point. Mr. Dr. Dude, uh, yeah. speak up. And if, if, if Warren's getting input a weekend, you know, a weekend ago from two different medical experts per school, what was said? Who did he hear? Who did he listen to mm-hmm. with the advice? That's why I appreciate, so far, Ted Carter and Ronnie Green. Yeah. They're out there. They're talking. They're, they're talking. talking. They, they've you know, done and, interviews. And, they've been matter-of-fact. They've been great interviews. And they don't hide behind. No, they've got, they've got nothing yeah. to hide. 
Yeah, they don't hide behind sort of, which which I see from some of the other Big Ten schools where they just sort of act like it's just a, and it is, when you're running a university system, athletics is only one portion of your job. It's I your get that. your front porch, though, dude. Right, completely. And it actually impacts millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like your changes to, you know, the chemistry college, it doesn't impact nearly as many people. It just doesn't, you know? So it, athletics does. And for them to just kind of skirt it and just be like, oh, well, you know, I have to do it, medical advice, and then just move on. You're like, what? No, that's not good enough. You know, Ronnie Green's going out and he's, he's talking. Free, free, you know, free form kind of interview settings, answering questions. Might not like all, all his answers, but at least he's out there talking. So I do appreciate that. And it is... You know, I wonder, what, what is this like? Huh. This could be a whole other segment. What is this like if it's if it's the Pearlman and I-Course show? You've got a, you, you have a, you, <laughs> dude, you have the Pearlman and I-Course show going on, except it's with potentially seven or eight other universities. I know, but what, what would be Nebraska's public stance then? I, I'm just, because there's no question where Nebraska from the top on down, what, what the stance is. The stance is we want to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. That's the stance, and it's clear, and everybody gets it. Everybody within the state gets it. There, and there's a, look, there's a big chunk of people that are just like, that is so stupid and short-sighted. Like, why would you even try to give it a shot during a pandemic? You're crazy. And those are there are plenty of people out there that think that. But regardless, you do have to give it to Nebraska where, I think out of all the schools, there, there has been no mincing of words. Whatsoever, it is very clear where the brass stands. Mm-hmm. Very clear, and I think most Nebraskans, even if you don't agree, can appreciate that because it is clear as mud just about everywhere else. Let's and get it's ridiculous. Let's get into our rewind. A quick timeout, and Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker standout, part of the pipeline, puts his medical hat on. The scrubs are he's he's washing up now. And uh, we'll get his take medically on this, his outlook for football, and the real reason why. That's next. Hail Varsity Weekend continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And let's kick off Hour 2 with uh, the good doctor and Husker standout offensive lineman, Rob Zandiska, the pride of Lincoln East. His uh, Doc Talk Sports Podcast is a great listen. And you can follow Rob on Twitter at HHRob. Dr. Zandiska, sir, how are you? How's, uh, how's your buddy Desmond doing? Uh, we're doing good, I, although I think m- myself and about 90,000 of my closest friends are no longer able to follow Desmond, which is just an absolute travesty in my mind. Well, I was laughing out loud because I was scrolling through it and I saw your challenge. You, what did you say? <laughs> the, the, you threw the gauntlet down? <laughs> Let's see how many blocks there can be. Man, uh, how many people look ridiculous you know a little more than you know a week later rob with their reaction to nebraska and and then the rest of these sports worlds kind of woken up here with their outrage towards the big 10 well i you know the thing that i guess always really bothered me by that is that 
you know, you saw a, a very vehement, angry reaction. Desmond Howard, Mike Wilbon, Dick Vitale weighed in. Uh, Adam Rittenberg on from ESPN. I mean, you had a lot of people really, you know, taking a pretty hard stance on what on kind of what the message out in Nebraska was. And essentially, people were sitting there flat out claiming Nebraska was trying to leave the Big Ten. And that wasn't the message at all. I mean, it was Nebraska basically said, hey, all we're doing is we're disappointed. We want to play football. If there's other options, we'd like to explore those other options. And people forget that one of the one of the things that Scott Frost came out and very specifically said during his press conference last Monday was that playing games within the confines of the Big Ten Conference was far and away the most ideal situation for Nebraska and the most desired situation for Nebraska. And all of a sudden, you've got all these Big Ten media members who cover the conference who are basically telling me, yeah, I know Kevin Warren needs to find a way to get Nebraska out of the conference. I just... Like, okay, nobody said that. I mean, that wasn't anything that anybody actually said. So I thought that was awfully disingenuous right then and there. Um, But then the other thing that happens is all of these other schools. I mean, at this point now you've got multiple schools where it's essentially parent groups have come out in strong support of teams playing, other coaches, ADs. I mean, Gene Smith popped up there for a while. Mm -hmm. And very and Gene Smith said, "Hey, we we're still investigating other options to play." Ryan Day said the same thing, and nobody went after them. It was okay for everybody else to say it, but not Nebraska. And part of the reason I think I kind of got a little upset by it was the fact that none of these commentators made the case that they were saying this based upon the idea of. Safety. This wasn't a player concern, a player safety, a staff mm-hmm. safety issue. They were bringing this up in the sense of this is a problem because Nebraska is not showing completely blind, unquestioning subservience to the Big Ten Conference. That's what they were upset about. It had nothing to do with, oh, this is a very unsafe attitude sure. on Nebraska's part that flies in the face of science and medical knowledge. That, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, oh my gosh, these guys are not just blindly following the the dogma of the Big Ten Conference, and that is a bad, that is the worst thing ever. Rob Zadisk is with so us. I just, that, yeah, I just I found that incredibly disappointing. Well, and it's been a 180, and it's not from, from Desmond or Wilbon, but even yesterday, Pat Forty put out a a column, and, and he, you know, sharpened his knife on Nebraska about midweek last week. But now it's it's time for the Big Ten to show their work. And Rob, I, I want your thoughts here. Put your 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 medical scrubs back on. I know you probably just got out of them, but and give, <laughs> give me your your view and medical expertise on COVID, on football, on danger. And then just the the narrative that's out there that, that is now, okay, where's your reasoning, Commissioner Warren, 
what data did you use? Who did you speak with? And what's this all about? Is it truly health and safety? There's a ton to unpack there. But but kick it off. Why are where we're why are we at well, where we're I, at with okay, I know, well, with COVID? I mean, let's good bottom line to start with is okay. The whole COVID thing, it's very real. It's very dangerous, and it's it, it's absolutely a threat. Now, that being the case, then you then you got to start weighing risk here a little bit. Well, how big of a risk is it to these individual players, coaches, uh, and then all the other ancillary mm-hmm. staff involved in this and. Again, yeah, there's a risk there, but if you think of it as a relative risk standpoint, all of these football teams have gotten, in my opinion, some very good advice and consultation from a lot of the big academic medical centers. Now, I know UNMC up here in Omaha has kind of been sort of the kind of the tip of the spear for the task force with the Big Ten Conference in terms of the decision-making that the conference is using. And they laid out a, a whole series of plans and guidelines for the teams to follow in, in order to stay as safe as possible if they're going to go ahead and give football a try. Now, from a medical standpoint, you, you don't sit there and say, yes, you should do this or no, you shouldn't do this. And I think that's a little bit of a confusing standpoint for some people because I think some people are sitting there saying, well, the ACC and the SEC and Big 12's doctors told them, they can do it. And the Big Tens and Pac-12 said, you can't do it. That's not the case. Essentially, all of these conferences more or less got told the same thing. Okay. And they got told, listen, it's a risk, but I think there's, there's ways to mitigate and manage that risk and keep it to a relatively minimum level. Um, and that's things you're wearing masks, you're maintaining distance, you're, you're kind of creating sort of a... It's not a true NBA-style bubble where everybody's on in one facility and nobody comes or goes from that facility. So you're essentially living literally kind of in a social bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but by following the recommendations from all of these academic medical centers, you essentially create sort of a pseudo-bubble for these athletes, coaches, and other staff in which they kind of work with it. Um, and the thing that I think that was that's confusing to me in regards to the Big Ten, for instance, uh, and a lot of other people when they're comparing the Big Ten to the conferences that are playing, is is that relative risk. And what I mean by that is if you've got these athletes and they've got all of this oversight from administrators, coaches, doctors, trainers, They've got a huge amount of motivation to stay safe, to avoid crowds, to socially distance. But you only have that if you're playing football. If the season ends and everybody's going to class, going going to downtown Lincoln, going out to dinner, meeting at somebody's house for a get-together with 20, 30 other people, all of a sudden that risk kicks back up again. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you remove football – you remove that layer of oversight, you remove that motivation, and you remove all of those safeguards that they have if they are playing football. Now, here's the other thing you got to think about, too. All of these football teams have been working out also. They're, they've been going through fall practice, and I don't know if they're actively, quote-unquote, practicing now, but I know teams are continuing to work out and condition. Um 
And so you've got teams that are basically still doing everything except that three hours on a Saturday where they play a game Mm. against another group of athletes that's highly motivated, has a huge amount of of administrative and health-related oversight. And so I think by playing the games, I'm not sure you're actually increasing the overall risk all that much. And I think that's the advice these guys got from the academic medical centers that they sought consultation from. So you can manage the risk here. You've been warned of the risk. But overall, you've already spent God knows how much money to try and get to a certain point to kick off a season. You've tried to to mitigate that risk, manage that risk. What about myocarditis? Talk to me about the heart issue. No, and that's real. Don't don't get me wrong there. And it's I mean that's a, can be an incredibly debilitating thing, and it and it very much can affect young, healthy people. Um, the the problem there is I don't know if we've got good numbers on it. Supposedly, sure. the Big Ten made a portion of their decision making with this based upon a study that came out. Uh, and it was published in a prestigious journal. It's not like this was in came out in Mad Magazine or something. <laughs> for God's sake, it was it was a legitimate medical journal. Um, I read the articles, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just read it for the article. Um, most of the, uh, the the problem is is that the study came out. It probably got used to some degree as far as decision making goes. And then a number of other cardiologists actually took a look at it and basically said, hey, if you look at it, there's kind of this starting point to the article, mm-hmm. which is essentially saying uh, the, the normal amount of blood that the heart pumps out, that's called the ejection fraction. It's basically just how much blood is the heart to actually pump into the body. And it gave what would be considered a normal range. Now, the normal range for that amount of blood in this particular study was this incredibly narrow range. Gotcha. It was a very, very small range of values. So the, 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 smaller that, the smaller your normal range is, the greater your abnormal range is. So think of it on like a scale of one to a hundred mm-hmm. if a range of like 54 on the low end and 58 on the high end is it is normal well your abnormal is anything from one to 54 and everywhere from 58 on up to 100 Jeez. well that's a lot of range that's abnormal and that's what the study came out and said is that you have this really really narrow range so the the, the smaller your starting the, the the smaller your starting normal is, mm-hmm. the larger your abnormal is. And so, when the study on myocarditis came out, looking at people who had had COVID, it, it made it kind of look like the abnormals were this really really huge number. That does. And so everybody was like, "Holy crap! Look at anybody anybody who's ever had COVID." now has an abnormal heart. And the problem is, is that's not actually the true. That's not very true. The, the normal range for that ejection fraction, the normal range for how much blood the heart pumps, it actually, it, it's got a pretty wide varying range. 
it's much bigger than what this paper said it was. And so it, it kind of gave people this false impression that if you catch COVID, you're doomed to have, you're almost certainly doomed to have this abnormal heart from then on out. Gotcha. And that, that kind of scared the heck out of people. It's just that people made decisions based upon it, and then a bunch of other cardiologists, statisticians, et cetera, took a look at it and went like, hey, wait a second, this thing is way off. So there, therein lies, I think, part of the problem. I mean, it's, it, and science, is, science and medicine, is, they're, unfortunately, it's all inexact. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to have a great feel for COVID myocarditis, for quite some time. We need a lot more cases. We need a lot more studies. I don't know if we have time to make an educated decision based upon that. Does that mean you cancel a football season? Personally, I I don't think it is. I think you at least give it a try, and I think that was part of the problem a lot of people had with the Big Ten Conference, is a decision was made without giving it a try and i think they had time to kind of look at this and time to maybe make a a decision a little bit farther down the road um and and so that's why and that's why i think a lot of people are upset is that they weren't even willing to just give it a try rob zadisk is with us uh, husker legend and uh, you hear his podcast Uh, doc talk is where you can log on and, and find out Dr. Rob and Travis Justice at uh, HH Rob on Twitter. So, Rob, you beautifully explained that. Thank you much for the for the for the heart question. So, let's get into the nuts and bolts as to why in your opinion, what do you think happens? Does Commissioner Warren have a chance to walk things back? Does he double down? And, and why did things shake out the way they shook out? Was it pure health and safety, or is there something else? See, I'm, I'm convinced, and you and I chatted about this a little bit yeah. off the air, just that I'm, I'm still convinced there was kind of a twofold, uh, kind of a two-factor equation that played in here. And I, I think one of those things was, uh, one, I think it was a liability issue. I, I think... All of these conferences were essentially getting, maybe not the same, but very similar medical advice and medical consultation from their respective academic medical centers and docs and, well, consultants. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think in the Big Ten Conference, I I think you had an ultra-conservative legal team that essentially got a little bit more nervous, pulled the trigger early and said, this is too much of a liability issue. You got to shut this down. Um, the other thing that I think happened, and, um, you know, this was a suggestion. I, I got this from talking to Tom Chattel with the Omaha World Herald. Tom made the point that he he's always felt that the Big Ten is, there's a strong degree of ego there. Oh, yeah. And within, yeah. within that ego... I think they kind of felt, I, I think the Big Ten Conference knew that the Pac-12 was going to, Pac-12 was basically going to pull the plug. Now, they, Pac-12 has a lot of other factors going on that play into their decision-making. You've got the states of California and Oregon that were already in a situation where, because of government mandates, 
they're, they weren't able to play football until, what, something like September or October mm-hmm. anyway. So the, the Pac-12 was probably really already kind of shut down from the get-go. And so the Big Ten knew that the Pac-12 was going to pull the plug. I think the Big Ten, purely from an ego standpoint, thought, hey, Pac-12 is going to pull the plug. If we pull the plug, everybody else is going to cancel the season as well, too. God forbid we're not the first person to get out in front of the curve, so to speak, be the leaders here, and pull that plug first. And I think there was a strong desire that, hey, if all of these conferences are going to cancel the season, which I think the Big Ten was convinced was going to happen, they wanted, they wanted to make darn sure they were the first one to do it. So they knew when the Pac-12 was going to do it. They knew the Pac-12 was going to do it. And so the Big Ten canceled. Pac-12 followed suit, what, hours later. Mm-hmm. And then they sat there thinking the other three conferences within half a day the exact same thing was going to happen, and it didn't. Nebraska expresses their sentiments. The media decides, hey, we've got to step in here and side with the conference. Otherwise, we risk getting shut out of our own conference if there's a big scoop coming. Sure. So I think the media jumped on Nebraska's case. Next thing you know, you've got every other school in the conference bitching and moaning about the decision and the decision-making process. And, and now all of a sudden you've got, I call it now the big three, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, as of now going ahead and playing football. And I think the Big Ten sitting here going, okay, this did not shake out how it was supposed to. We were supposed to be first. Everybody else was supposed to cancel, and that didn't happen. And now I think they're trying to figure out exactly what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I would love to see him walk it back. He mentioned if I thought there's a chance. Yeah, I do think there's a chance. The problem with it now is I think everybody looks at the Big Ten Conference, and from a decision-making standpoint, a transparency standpoint, uh, as a bunch of buffoons, <laughs> literally and if they walk this back now they're going to look even more like a bunch of I, I think there's ways they could do it I don't know if they can suck their ego enough, up enough to actually do it what Robin what Warren needs to do here he was the first commissioner to jump out in front and have a, have a, have a Zoom meeting with, with student athletes right I thought that was pretty good about three weeks ago. He listened to a football player and a member from another uh, athletic uh, team, okay? And, and, he, and, he, and he spent a couple hours with each program, a Monday and Tuesday, about this, uh, the, the demands that were being thrown out there, first by the Pac-12, but more so health and safety demands by players from the Big Ten. I thought that was good. He said, look, I, I leaned on my kid who's playing football down in the SEC, by the way, and I thought that was pretty awesome. He can sure as heck get a Zoom meeting with Justin Fields and other players and other coaches and just say, after further review, we were too early. You nailed it. The Big Ten, I, the, the Big Ten's worried about the cheese and wine crowd, my friend, and they want to look and get those pats on the back for being scholarly. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's part of this. You're absolutely right. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see him walk it back. And, I, you know, and here's the thing. I'm not saying this is going to work. Yeah. But I don't think I don't see the, I don't see the big three canceling anytime soon. If they cancel, it's going to be after games start and a whole sure. bunch of cases start popping up. That that's when you're going to see a potential cancel. Is they're going to get two, three, four games into the season? That's when you're going to see a cancellation take place. In my opinion, um, I would love to see the Big Ten walk it back and say, hey. We might have based this off off of inaccurate information. We might have pulled the trigger too soon. We're going to give this a try. And, I th- and again, I think there's safeguards they can follow. I think there's liability safeguards they can follow. Hey, if you've got a player who wants to bow out of mm-hmm. this, who doesn't feel like our safeguards are up to their standards, you don't have to play in – and grant them some eligibility waiver to do so. If you want to take, if you want to bow out this season and maintain your eligibility, go ahead. So I, I think you give the players that option, and I think you've got a solid middle ground. You try it out for a couple of weeks, and then you can, and then and then you reassess. Easy to say and do. Let's see if uh, someone gets that to the commissioner. And uh, we'll see where they think where they go. Last thought here, Rob, and Rob Zadisk is with us. Uh, Doc Talk is his podcast, and uh, you can follow Rob on Twitter at uh, hh Rob. Uh, standout Husker, part of the pipeline, of course. Uh, Rob's been a doctor for a number of years, getting his take on COVID, the Big Ten, and where we're at. If you're Scott Frost, Rob, what do you tell your kids? I mean, they've ramped up; they've got their hopes up. Do you just tell them to stay ready? Is that the message? I, I think that's the biggest message. You know, I think you keep guys working out, you keep them in shape, you keep them training. Um, and I'll tell you what, though, you you better hope to God for a spring season because there's no guarantee COVID's going away. And well, I think if you talk to a lot of the epidemiologists, uh-huh. they've been talking about second wave, third wave, et cetera, as being real possibilities. We could see this ramping back up again come come next February, March. So if, if that same decision-making process led you to cancel now and COVID's still around in, in February or March, what's the message you're going to say if you play? Yeah. Hey, we could have played last fall, but we did. Sorry. It's, so it's, it's still going to be. It's, 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 it's an incredibly tough situation for these kids to be in. But if I'm Frost, you, you tell them stay ready, keep working out, stay safe, and we'll see if something happens this fall. Thirty seconds. What's your take on the vaccine side of things? Um, you know, we'll see. What Don't happens. buy from I'm, Russia. I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. We'll see one. Normally, with a vaccine, in terms of testing and getting it out there, mm-hmm. you're you're really kind of looking in most cases, eighteen months or so on gotcha. the fast end, in terms of being able to do this. Okay. And so they've they've kind of ramped it up. A lot of companies have been given the go ahead by the FDA and other regulatory bodies to try and push things along quicker. So we're already in testing phases now. There's some promising ones out there. It's still a big question mark. That, that's the thing. There's that lot of hope, not a lot of definitive answers yet. Rob, we'll do this again. Thanks for your time and your insight today. 
Absolutely. Hey, Chris, have a great one. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. So you had an extended rewind there, and it was awesome to chat with Husker legend, part of the pipeline, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, and we spent time with him earlier in the week before the open letter from Commissioner Warren, but the medical opinion and, and insight uh, clearly there, and uh, some of the opinion from Dr. Rob as to the why was good to hear. We're into hour two. It's the weekend edition of Tale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. And find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Damon Barr. That's with two R's. And we welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, uh, another uh, heavy, heavy week, and um, uh, let's uh, spend some time first with uh, the reaction by Commissioner Warren and his open letter. What did the letter do for you? Um, well, <laughs> it offered a little mo- bit more insight, uh, so so that was that was good. Uh, I wish it could have come about five or six days earlier. Um, that would have probably would have helped with the, the the weight of this particular past week. But um, again, you know, it, it, it gave us a little bit more information about about what went on. Um, it, you could keep going and, and keep plumbing and keep digging for for more at a certain point. I mean, there's just so many questions now that uh, if you really boil it down to a base level, isn't the answer to all of them that there's a pandemic going on and there are no clear decisions at this point. The science isn't ready yet. Um, It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. uh, And you just have to make a call. Um, So I don't know. It it, it definitely, it was good to get the letter. Uh, The past week definitely wore me down a little. Brandon Bogle with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, Brandon, if you go back and you think about his interview with, or I'm talking about Commissioner Kevin Warren, think about his interview with Dave Rebson. Had he really harped on the fact that, now he did mention it, but had he just been really clear that the uncertainty is the biggest reason why they're pulling things right now, would we have felt the exact same level of backlash over the past week and a half? I don't think so. Um, because then at least like if that, so if you come out and do that interview and it's a point you kind of return to once or twice, you're at least making it clear that, Hey, look, you know, not to repeat myself, but there, there's just, there's no clear answer. Like it's a judgment call one way or the other at a certain point. Um, and based on what we were seeing, the uncertainty was at a level that we weren't comfortable dealing with. And, and it's, you know, he can use the terms we there. I mean, really, it's the shareholders of, of the Big Ten, in this case, presidents, uh, who are making that call. And, and you've got 14 of them to, to kind of hear from and, and, and take seriously. So I think you're right. I think just kind of driving that point home, or if it was something else, if there was like one particular hurdle, and I don't, I'm guessing there probably wasn't, but, but if there was, like, 
give the people something so they have a little bit of an understanding of this. Because what, with, with so much ambiguity, what happened is people were just left to focus on the loss they all felt at, at not having a season that six days prior looked like uh, it was actually ramping up. Vogue's uh, a thought here with the NCAA granting that extra year of eligibility. If you're Scott Frost, you're, you're happy for the kids. But if you're Scott Frost, man, I've got a pretty deep roster. <laughs> and maybe now for, for a while. Give me the, the, the positive slash advantage to this for a program like Nebraska trying to, to kind of get back. Um. I mean, Nebraska was already – so I guess one positive would be is that Nebraska probably already had a larger roster than, than most schools in the country. I mean, it's, it's been, I think, since last offseason that I, I looked at it most recently, but already had the biggest roster in the Big Ten. Michigan was close. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a choice, and, and that takes some, some planning and strategy just to be able to, to deal with a practice that has almost 160 guys. Like you have to to really see the benefit from it because it requires a little bit extra work, and you know some programs, frankly, don't want to do it. I think um, so. That's a good starting point. Um, from, you know, with dealing with the walk-ons, and, and Nebraska's kind of always been that. So I think the the choice the NCA made was was clearly the right choice, which around a ton of those uh, these days, um, you know, so, so you give, you give the, you give the, the student athletes the opportunity to do that. I think naturally um, it'll sort itself out to a greater degree than might be apparent right now. Um, but for those guys who are like, Hey, this is my senior year. This might be the last time I play football. If, if it's a person who's, you know, not going to the NFL, et cetera. Um, maybe they do stick around. I'm sure there will be plenty who, who don't. You know, you're looking at being in college for a sixth year, um, maybe going and having to pursue a graduate degree that you're not really that passionate about. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean everyone will, of course. Brandon Bogle, managing editor for Hale Varsity. Get back to football in a moment, but considering uh, you wrote the book Dream Like a Champion with John Cook and are very intimately familiar with the volleyball program, this rule applies to all fall sports, including volleyball. Can you kind of set the stage for what that means? I mean, Nebraska was already. Co- all right, I'm just going to let you do it. Sorry. <laughs> we'll store your thunder. Um, uh, what does this mean for Nebraska volleyball? Um, it, it, it's interesting. So we kind of looked at this this season, uh, and we went pretty in-depth on it in the, the August issue, which came out this week, uh, you know, Everything kind of seemed to be on a on a tee here for Nebraska volleyball. You you brought everybody back from a team that didn't go quite as deep in the NCAA tournament as uh, some some previous ones had, but that made some good gains. And you knew the whole time, like okay, this the entire starting line was back, um, and you have the extra motive motivation of if we can uh, if we can be as good as I think we can, there's a chance we get to play for a national title in front of a home crowd. I think there's still a chance for that to, to happen in the spring. Um, it's kind of when you fast forward beyond that, that things get, get a little bit interesting. Um, so <laughs> even if that all, even that all unfolds, say, say Nebraska gets to play that spring season, goes to Omaha, wins it. Um, and I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to see. So Lawrence Stiverens, for example, is already redshirted. Um, has already been in college for she's looking at his sixth year in college. Like she could, 
this this year doesn't cost her any eligibility. So I, I just kind of be surprised, and I think some of that would be determined by uh, how that season goes. But for those people that hold over, you know. Jacob, Jacob Padilla and I were kind of chatting about it. It, it gets a little bit interesting. Nebraska has this amazing uh, recruiting class coming in with, with three of the top players in the country, and, and it has the potential to mess with that timeline a little bit. I mean, Coach Cook's pretty regimented it in like, okay, we're bringing this setter in now because we know in two years it's basically going to be their time. Uh, it, it could potentially mess with that a little bit. That's going to be interesting where, I mean, Nebraska has been so great on on the volleyball court with not only development but the reload side of things. They just reload incredible talent, and it's such a fine tuned machine. And the mentality and approach and executions all fantastic. Is is this a situation where you, you, you might have you might have some some crossover? With incoming talent and existing talent, I mean, it's it's a great problem to have, but it's still not necessarily one that's easy because kids want to play and there's certain positions and certain roles, Vogues. I mean, could it be an issue for Nebraska volleyball? Um, I, I mean, I think... Uh... So Nebraska has so Nebraska has a top setter in the country coming in, and yeah. you just kind of look at this like theoretically Nicklin Haynes. So it, the way it was set up was you know Nicklin Haynes is a senior, uh, the, the incoming setter is redshirting, and it all works out like that. That's kind of perfect. That's kind of your perfect scenario. Um, now <laughs> Nicklin Haynes could theoretically stick around for an extra year beyond that. And I think Nebraska is like such a draw and, and for players of that caliber who could really go anywhere. Um, I guess that maybe increases the risk that like, well, I'm going to go someplace where I can play immediately. Uh, I, I just think it'll probably, probably work itself out. And coach cook kind of has a plan and a contingency plan for, for most things. So he'll be able to, I think, talk players through that and, and, and you know he's able to do that because he's kind of brutally honest and upfront. front You're like here's the situation um i just want you to know before you get here so i think it'll be okay brandon bogle is with us on hail varsity radio um iowa just announced that they are eliminating four sports men's gymnastics men's and women's swimming men's tennis to help offset some of the revenue shortfall Nebraska on record saying they won't do that, um, but did just announce 51 furloughs last night, 10% reduction in staff. Do you expect more sort of bad news to come on that front, or do you think that's kind of it and Nebraska will weather the storm from here on out? Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that this will be – be enough and they can kind of weather the storm. You have to wonder a little bit because, okay, so that's like the first measure, you know, and and it came relatively quickly again. uh, Let's see, 16 days ago, big 10 was announcing its schedule. And at that point you had to feel pretty good about uh, getting at least something in, in the fall. So this all had to come together pretty quickly. You hope that, you know, the modeling on that was correct and that'll get the job done. Um, but, but who knows? Uh, seeing those sports go down at Iowa is tough. I do think you'll see, you'll see more of that. Um, and that becomes <laughs> tough, t- tough to handle. Like, I, I still believe that 
kind of the the amateurism debate and the challenges that playing this year could have brought to the forefront were part of the decision making here. I mean, that's that's just kind of my my personal feel. But what you're seeing then with Iowa's decision or with Stanford, uh, which was still, you know, is still a kind of a shocking decision when you stop and think about it is, okay, because the NCAA for so long in these revenue sports basically failed to deal with or, or fought kind of the, the amateurism discussion and any challenges to it, these sports, which don't really have a path to uh, professional sports in a lot of cases beyond, you know, the Olympics is kind of the highest level. Um it's the true amateur sports that that are that are feeling the brunt of it right now, and and that's that's pretty tough. Folks, a thought here on the letter by Attorney Flood, and the threat of a a lawsuit slash legal action by a group of Nebraska parents. Uh, they are demanding transparency. Uh, break out the old magic eight ball slash crystal ball and. Does Nebraska, do, do the parents get the answers they seek by the 24th? Um, I'm going to guess no. Um, which, if you, if, you know, if you're, if you're the group of parents and kind of like all of us at this moment, but I mean, you know, you, they are obviously uh, very close to the situation with, with their sons being directly impacted. Um, it's kind of, you know, it, it's an arrow you can fire. So, so, so you try it. Um, you know, like I said, I think... I understand kind of the desire for more information. And I think the big 10 should be willing to, to provide that to, to the degree that it could help. But at a certain point, like there's just, you know, it kind of goes back to where we started. Isn't the answer just, there's a pandemic, like, you know, we can, we can get into the details and I don't think getting those answers in a lot of cases is going to make people more at peace with the decision. Um, maybe who knows, but I, I just don't think that there's kind of this magic bullet out there. That's like, Oh, that's why they made the decision. And now I understand, but that doesn't mean, you know, for, from a parent's perspective, it, you know, if it was, if it was my kid and you saw kind of firsthand what was happening there, uh, I, I, I would absolutely be asking for them as well. So, yeah, you know, Brandon, the thing is so much easier to accept that the whole, there's a pandemic, <laughs> but then you allow practices, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then you come There's out no with a pads, schedule. Cranac. That's, but that's the, that's the rub with it. I mean, if you had just shut it down, people would be like, all right, it's all shut down. Everybody's shut down. But no, you come out with a schedule. You, <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's absurd. Well, I mean, it really goes back to what you said, Mark. So yes, you, we could say like, Hey, look around. There's a pandemic. That's why there's not football. But what it really is is the uncertainty, and it's uncertainty on like multiple, multiple fronts. It's not just a question of could we do this safely, and by safely, you know, we're talking about degrees of risk to a risk level that we feel would be acceptable. You talk about <laughs> kind of legal challenges, uh, amateurism, all of that. I mean, it's all kind of baked in here, and it's just uncertainty everywhere you turn. Um, it's, it's tough. It sucks. I mean, I just, that's kind of where I'm at at the end of the week. It's like, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. It, look, and, and it did come out. You, we, we had talked last week and wasn't really any, any certainty, but it does come out that you're allowed 12 hours now through October 4th. Five hours can be on field instruction. Um, 
no pads, but you can wear helmets. So they can do sort of light practices uh, is basically what is what has come out um, within that format. Just curious here. I mean, is there an ability to like to have open practices, televised practices? <laughs> I just think for a seriously for a nation that's going to be so starved. I put it this way. I, I guess the bigger question is, do you think we will have some innovation come out of this situation? Kind of like, you know, Nebraska did the PlayStation red white game. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Do you expect maybe some some innovative things to come out there to help maybe offset some of the financial and kind of emotional damage that's out there? One second, let me hop on OnlyFans and see if I can squat on that Huskers domain. Um, because, I mean, seriously, no, you're right. Like, if you're like, hey, uh, be a Patreon, you can watch Nebraska practice. You can watch these 12-hour workouts. Uh, just feel free to chip in whatever you feel fair. Like, you, you'd, get some, you'd get somebody out of it. And, and people would watch, uh, particularly in Nebraska. So I, I think – there's the opportunity for that, certainly. Um, you're looking at, you know, some, some reduced staff at, at Nebraska and presumably some other places. Uh, that might make it a little bit more difficult. But I think that's kind of where I'm at at the end of this, this long week is um, let's kind of start pointing towards, okay, what are some, some goals, some end goals that we can achieve? Um, so one would be like, okay, Nebraska, how, how's Nebraska going to maximize these 12 hours? Like, what can it get done? What can it make it seem like these players aren't just, you know, Groundhog's Day with, with practice eternally? Um, so how do you combat that? And, you know, there's probably some interesting solutions to be done with, with those things. If the Big Ten could come out with some sort of, hey, here's a proposal, here's what we're thinking about, at least it gives you a little bit of a goal and in, insight that you can work towards. Um, those things are pretty important. Bogues, what are you working on here this weekend? And uh, tell us a little bit here about the, the latest issue, Destination Unknown, this week's Hale Varsity Magazine. Yeah, so we, you know, August is kind of our traditional slot to, to preview Nebraska volleyball that we knew coming in. <laughs> it was very much in doubt if there would be a season or if there wouldn't be, so we almost had to prepare two issues. But I was really happy with it, with how it turned out uh, in terms of three stories in there, feature stories in particular, that kind of didn't matter if there was a season or not. So uh, Aaron Sorensen wrote about kind of Nebraska and the importance of goal setting and looking at how they'll handle this. Um, Jacob wrote a great story on Lawrence Difference, who it's really interesting. I'm excited for people to, to get a look at that. Um, her talking about kind of her reluctance at the time she was a captain, not knowing that this was something she wanted, but, and then relating that to how it's made her a better person kind of off the court. It was, it was really good. Um, and then Caleb Anworth, Ole Miss's new coach, uh, what a time to become a new head coach, right? And she has also uh, had her first child in March. Um, and also, Old Miss coaches were, were very involved in sort of the Mississippi State flag discussion mm-hmm. and other on-campus discussions. So she's had quite the uh, quite the spring and summer, and I, I spoke to her for a little while for that story. So that's a little bit of what, what's in there. Um, on the website, kind of for the weekend and long-term, uh, High school, high school football is going to become kind of a big part of things, I think, as the, the only football we know for sure we, we have the ability to watch for now. Um, 
So look for that in the week ahead. Had a big meeting on Friday about that. Um, Thomas Fedoni obviously has a big week ahead, mm-hmm. uh, which could help. Uh, if that goes Nebraska's way, would would make people feel better for at least a little bit. Um, so, yeah, there's there's actually plenty to cover this fall. So I'm pretty excited to get into it. Bogues, can't wait for it. And uh, we'll uh, forge forward. Thanks for the time this morning. Thanks for your insight. Thanks, guys. Thanks, right. Brandon. Yeah, and he mentioned Thomas Fedoni. Chris, that's what, August 26th, the the mm-hmm. senior tight end out of Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, one of the best tight ends in the country. It's the 26th, right? He'll announce his decision on KETV, I yep. believe. Channel 7 is uh, where that's yep. going to happen up in Omaha. We will head up to Omaha and check in with our dear friend, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Some Fedoni inside from Sharpie, some thoughts on some high school ball. And, of course, uh, Sharpie's got his contacts down in the SEC. We'll talk maybe uh, some some transfer situations for Nebraska. All that's coming up here as we wind through a weekend edition of Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Thanks for hanging out. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. We say hi to the Iron Horse. It's Gary Sharp. Sharpie, thanks for the time this morning. Uh, how have you processed the week? Wow, it's kind of been a depressing week, hasn't it? Uh, you know what <laughs> <Yeah>. was <laughs> – I mean, I don't mean to start like that. It was, it was kind of a return to normalcy. Uh, I know, Schmidt, you mentioned it, about high school football returning last night. Yeah. But it was, uh, this was a rough week. This is, this is kind of, this week took us through a culmination of what we've all gone through in this country for the last six months. It just happened to focus on the Big Ten and the squabbles and where we're going and the confusion and people being upset and people going to court. I mean, I, I can't believe that the Big Ten Conference, which has one of the largest brands in all of college athletics, is in this spot. And whether you agree with the decision or not, they didn't have to be 10 days later, 11 days later, in a position where people are thinking about going to court or you have parents that are wearing jerseys that are outside of your league office. That's what we've come to in the Big Ten. And that's why I'm a little bit upset, sad, depressed, trying to figure out that how are we all going to be able to accept two weeks from now there's going to be no football in Lincoln. But even further, if we're five weeks, six weeks from now, and there is college football being played and there's NFL football being played, and we're talking about guys running around in helmets in conditioning drills. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. I mean, let's prognosticate that. I mean, do you think college football is happening this year? I believe it will. I believe they will find a way. It's not going to be easy. It wasn't going to be easy with the Big Ten trying to find a path forward. But I think that there is a path that is set. A lot of things have to go the way of you know, science for football to happen. But I think it will happen. I think we'll get off the ground. I'm, I'm more determined than ever that the NFL is going to happen. They look at it as a challenge that they're going to get their season started and find their way to navigate all the bumps in the road to get to the end. I think college football is going to get there. And then once they get there, what happens afterwards? But that's what you can do when you delay things a little bit and let you know, some things play out where you adjust to them. Sharpie, uh, threat level for Nebraska's roster as we look at it now when it comes to, to really the opportunity with Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC 
playing. They're, they're going to get kicked off. It looks that way. I know there's outbreaks on campuses, but they're switching to distance uh, learning and they're still forging forward with their sports. Uh, could you see some some seniors leave the Nebraska football program so they can? I know they got granted an extra year, but they may want to play now. What's that? What's that feeling like for you? Well, I'm looking at the seniors that would be in that case, Schmitty, and I don't think they're leaving. I, I think their head coach has a good relationship with them. Uh, they need, and, and this is where whatever winter ball or spring ball plan looks like, you've got to get that in place to convince those seniors that there is something out there that. Whether you think it's a farce or not, there's a plan. We're going to play football come January. Just stick it out with us. I think Nebraska's in a better spot because Nebraska doesn't have, you know, first and second round guys on the roster. Now they have some guys with some aspirations uh, to play in the NFL that got a na- you know, got their names on the senior bowl list. But I think Nebraska will be okay. If I'm other, if I'm other schools, I'm maybe a little leery, but I don't think it'll be a rush all of a sudden to say I'm leaving a Big Ten school to go and play somewhere else. I think it would be more of a rush, like you're seeing at Michigan, of guys opting out that are just going to get ready for the NFL draft, and they're not going to mess with anything that would happen in January February in this conference. Yeah, and you think part of that reason, Gary, is just, you know, you can make the idea to go transfer to some other school, but it's not like you're transferring to a sure thing elsewhere. Yeah, and it's unprecedented times. I mean, it would be – I mean, it's not like you say I'm going to go to Ole Miss and all of a, show, all of a sudden show up in Oxford and everything's normal. Um, it would be a different – it would be a difficult transition. But that's where 14 coaches in this conference, they've got to have good relationships with their players. And if somebody was looking to leave right now, considering everything that's going on, they probably were not going to be in with you this season if you tried to play through a, a pandemic mentally and physically. So I think you would go, okay, it's fine. I wouldn't believe everything Lane Kiffin is saying. I think there's an opportunity, but we're not going to see a flurry of guys leaving the Big Ten Conference. We'll see a flurry of guys saying, I'm going to go start working out to get ready for the NFL. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, a, a thought here if you uh... – Got a phone call from the Moose, and he's like, Sharpie, it's your call, brother. you like January, or do you like uh, February after the Super Bowl for this, uh, this winter session? Do you have a lean? Well, first, if he called me, I would say, um, Bill, you had to make a tough decision. Um, you know, yesterday, and, and, and there's, there's people that were furloughed that, that the three of us know, mm-hmm. uh, that other people know, it was not a good day for the athletic department. It's not a good day for college athletics. It's not a good time. I mean, look what Iowa did uh, earlier in the day. I would say, Bill, I understand that you have a chance to go get some TV money. You're not going to play on your own campus. You're going to play in anchor facilities. You're going to play indoors. It's going to be very awkward. I don't know how many games you're going to play. Bill, I would ask you this. I would ask you to stand up to the Big Ten Conference and say, I have one question. If we're going to put together some type of winter or spring ball, how is that going to impact my fall? Because I'm telling you right now, I've got to have my 12 football games in the fall. I've got to have my home games. I've got to have that. I can't play six games in the winter, and then you go, oh, you're only going to play seven in the fall, when things could be in a better spot, and I could have a full stadium with that revenue for not only my athletic department, but also my community and my state. 
Answer me that, Kevin Warren. If you can't answer me that, I'm standing up to preserve, and this is, this is me personally, mm-hmm. the integrity of the complete fall of 21 schedule so that I get a Nebraska-Oklahoma game in Norman and I get a full conference schedule. I don't want to waste my Iowa-Minnesota-Wisconsin conference games in the winter. I want them in the fall so that we can move forward with 21. Yes, we'd love to play. We need money. That would be TV money. But what are we doing to the fall? How is that going to impact what we could possibly in this country be back to some stadiums that are full and it'll look like normal at least? Amen. I mean, any kind of any kind of winter schedule where everybody's playing in domes, especially in an environment where, you know, people are getting furloughed. All of a sudden you're just going to travel two teams to a neutral site, have them stay in hotels for a couple days that probably haven't been sanitized by you know, hazmat crews. I mean, come on. It just it just seems entirely well, unrealistic. And now, here, here's where here's where I'm very leery, guys, because let's say you have a plan. And the Big Ten has been aggressive, apparently, talking to athletic directors, coaches about what a plan would look like. There's a great unknown that we're all going through on a daily basis. And we don't know what it's going to be like in January. If things that you said that limit that made the decision on why you didn't play football in the fall are still going to be in there in January or February, you're going to play. And you know what? If you set a date and you don't play, this conference is done because you will have essentially taken people through the ringer of, oh, we're going to have this winter date. Oh, we can't play because our science and our medical people say that those issues that we talked about in August are still there. You're done. You're done. That's why, you know what? I think I know a no, a known fact is that we will be in a better spot next August. It sucks to go this long without football, but i got to have a full season in the fall instead of what could be a farce in the winter, and then you don't even know who's going to play. That's the thing. Some guys may elect just to opt out so they're ready for the fall. I mean, so many unknowns. One good thing, though, and it was a no-brainer, and it shows you that when you want to get something done in the NCAA, you don't have to go through red tape, is that everybody got a full year of eligibility. It's not great for everybody, but at least for the student-athlete, it gives them options. For football coaches trying to manage a roster, it could be a nightmare. But at least the NCAA yesterday did the right thing, saying everybody can have a year of eligibility. But then you'll go, well, what about those conferences that are going to play? And they play a full 10. They just get a free year. See, that's where we're at. Mm, And look, Gary, and on top of that, you're right. They go play in January and February with conditions essentially the same, then the question is, well, why the hell didn't you play in the fall? <laughs> right? Yeah, so, like, so here, Mark, let me, let me add this, and then, I, and then I'll let you finish. Is you're starting on Monday this 20-hour-a-week rule. You've got five hours or 12-hour-a-week rule. You've got right. five hours on the field with no-contact helmets. That will go until October 5th. If we're looking at playing football – in January or February, you're probably starting camp in December. You're going to have to have pads on. You're going to have to hit. Is it all about rapid testing? Because if it's all about rapid testing, let me tell you something, guys. The day before the Big Ten officially announced that they had canceled the season, the University of Illinois, this was before last Saturday's announcement, the FDA along with Yale University and the NBA about the, the rapid test, The University of Illinois announced that they have a rapid test that's been approved, and they're going to use it with their students. So if it's all about testing, what are we doing that you can convince me that what is good 
what is not good now is not going to be good when we turn around and try and play a winter season because your camp would have to start essentially in December. You're going to have to put on pads. You're going to have to hit. Um, what are we doing? Are we sitting just looking and watching the other football NFL play to get knowledge? I don't know. It's, it's, it's the look of the confusion. The process wasn't played out. It wasn't, you know, I, I think Kevin Ward didn't read the room. He thought he would, he would make it the most important decision in the history of the Big Ten, and other people would follow suit instead of going, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? And that's why we're in this situation where you've got a former Lincoln Afternoon country DJ that could be in court in this state on Monday suing the Big Ten. That's wild to me. <laughs> and I like Mike Flood. I, I'm friends no. with Mike. I like Mike a lot. But that's, kind of, that's where I first met him. I mean, that's where we're at. This is, guys, we had, we had parents outside of the Big Ten office in Chicago yesterday that were, you know, essentially doing the whole bad news bears breaking training, let them let play, play, let right, them yeah. play chant. And all I can think of is, let me go to Fogo de Chao for lunch. No, I got you. Are we gonna are we are we gonna do like seven on seven or something and televise that? I'm being like half serious here because you, well, you have you, now. I don't know about the optics of playing two hand touch while <laughs> the SEC is <laughs> playing tackle football, but uh, honestly, you, you're furloughing people. You're allowed to practice. You have this fervor for football. There's got to be something you can do, right? Well, that's why I thought that, and I thought incorrectly. I mean, I'm trying to think of the Big Ten's reasoning and thinking that this would be different when they get a fall campaign. Is if you could put pads on and you could have 14 schools play essentially a spring game in the fall, and that would be content for your television network. Just imagine, like on Halloween around here, what a spring fall game would look like for Nebraska. You don't think that would get some eyeballs on it? And, and think about it. By then, you could maybe have, I don't know, 25% of the capacity of Memorial Stadium could be in the stands. You could make a little money there. I thought that would have been a smart way to go, but you know, we're all kind of just throwing darts at a wall right now and trying to figure out what the next move is. Sharpie, a thought on Thomas Fedoni. His announcement's coming up here the 26th. I know he's not been able to visit and LSU's been full-court pressing him. He's got a good setup and relationship with Nebraska, specifically the, uh, the, the peer recruiting that, that has been phenomenal by the kids a part of Nebraska's 2021. What's your take on things here as, as uh, we, uh, we await the announcement later this week? If he, Wednesday night, doesn't say yes to Nebraska, in my history of covering Nebraska recruiting, it'll be the most crushing no for Nebraska, but I don't expect that. I think, you know, it's really, if you look at the schools that are in the mix with Nebraska, it doesn't make sense that he would come to Nebraska if he's thinking about going to the NFL at schools that have sent tight ends to the NFL. But you mentioned it, uh, Mark has mentioned it, all about the relationship. Nebraska has recruited him perfectly. It helps that he's not that far away, just across the river in Council Bluffs, and he's legit. He is a real deal. When you watch him, you think, I'm going to be watching him on Sundays. I thought the same thing about Noah Fant when I was watching in high school. I feel the same way with Fedoni. I also feel very strongly and have for a long time that on Wednesday night he'll say yes to Nebraska. And he's the linchpin of this recruiting class. And he will be the pivot 
that he says, yes, he may get a couple other players, big-name players, to fall in line. But I, I think Nebraska has recruited him really well, and it just shows you what the process is like. And, and people, you might look at it and go, wow, that's an upset, because if you're thinking about going to the NFL as a tight end, you're probably going to Iowa before you go to Nebraska. But I fully expect Wednesday night Nebraska to be great games. And look, Gary, there's – it, it's a crazy kind of time period in the Metro for tight ends for whatever reason. Yep. For, I, I don't even really understand it, but there was how many, like three to four guys, if you include Fedoni, well, that are D1 caliber. You have you have Bellevue West. You have A.J. Rollins at Creighton Prep, which is in the 21 class, and Nebraska is pursuing as well. You have James Carney that has burst onto the scene at North. It's kind of in this state we're starting to develop tight end bodies. But you know what? The guy that's starting at center for Nebraska was a tight end. It's kind of those bodies that you're going, you're going a couple of different ways. You're either going to build them up so they become an alignment, or you're going to make them into this sleek hybrid tight end on a Chris Hickman that possibly could play both ways. Um, I think that's kind of where we were just kind of that cyclical moment in the state. You're absolutely right. It's amazing that the amount of tight end talent that has popped up in this state in eastern Nebraska – and that's pretty amazing. But, but in the past, those kind of athletes, don't you think, guys, would be bulked up and they would be moved down a slot on the line and all of a sudden they'd be playing tackle? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the athleticism, the footwork. I mean, you got a bunch of basketball kids or kids that are multi-sport athletes that have invested and done the training and they've bought into the nutrition. They get the lifestyle aspect that's so important earlier in their teen years, right? And we, we're all friends with, with Steve Warren and what Steve-O's doing with his kids. But, I mean, it's they are they are highly polished, and they're a part of phenomenal programs. And, and all the kids that we're talking about, the, the tight end boom, if you will, at Nebraska. And, I mean, think about this. I mean, we, we were all growing up watching Nebraska, and then think about almost 30 years ago, right, how – Nebraska shifted defensively to that 4-3, and here's Eddie Stewart. Here's Jamel Williams. Here's the, 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 the Terrell Farley, the safety that turned into your linebacker, right? Well, maybe we're seeing it on the other side of the ball here with Frost and what he wants to do, where you're going to have this, this spot on offense where you have your true flex hybrid guy uh, as a pass catcher and uh, – kind of beyond a 2.0 version of, of your of your tight end. Uh, Mark, let me ask you. Go ahead. No, Schmitty, you're right. Mark, let me ask you this. You know the scholarship distribution chart really well. You add Fedoni. Maybe you add A.J. Rollins. Who knows? Um, look at the tight end room with uh, everybody getting an extra year of eligibility for the 21 <laughs> season. I mean, it's absolutely loaded because I believe that Fedoni is an early entry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You pair that with, you know, Chris Hickman, who's sort of a receiver tight end, and then Jack Stoll, and then well, Vokalek. Uh, I want to see Vokalek, Vokalek murder Austin. some people on the edge and then go up the seam. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. And by the way, don't sleep on Hickman. We're talking about yep. tight ends and how it's kind of a renaissance uh, right now in the metro area. Gary, I know you called a bunch of his games. I I distinctly remember him having very. Noah Fant-like breakaway sprints down the field with the ball in his hands. I mean, that dude can move, and he's a yeah, big guy. And, um, and he was he, he was skinny with work. He's uh, he's bulked up where he could slide outside or inside. Um, you know, and then and then throw in Austin Allen. I mean, that that's yeah. 
I tight, like the Austin. tight end room moving forward was already going to be good. If you get a year of those guys flip over, and you have Stoll, and you have Allen, and you have Raftall, and you have Okala, and you have Hickman, and then you add Fedoni, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, think about, think about you're talking about the ability to go four wide with a bunch of dudes that are six seven, uh-huh. <laughs> and 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 guess what? They like blocking on the edge. <laughs> I mean, Very good point. I mean, think. I think back. Think about the the three tight end setup that that Andrew Luck had at at uh, at Stanford, right? Um, where they just go, and this is a different offensive look than what Frost runs. But think about the versatility and just a matchup nightmare. Um, uh, Sharpie, it's it was great to chat. Real quick, just a quick outlook from the Metro for high school in 2020. I know OPS is is not playing, but who are who are some teams you're keeping an eye on this year for football? I mean, Bell West for sure, but who else is in that running? West Side definitely. Kobe Brett's just got the offer yep. from Nebraska last night. Uh, they've got a they've got a handful of the Division One prospects on their roster. Uh, you've also got Millard West will be good. Elkhorn South's got Teddy Prohaska and Isaac Zadiska up on the line. Good year in the Metro. Don't sleep on Millard South as well. We'd love to have OPS because Omaha North and Omaha Burke and Omaha Central would be very competitive. But it'll be a good year in the Metro. It was good to see high school football back. Let's do it the right way. I think we will. Everybody's invested in it. And uh, it's uh, one day at a time. And who knows when we talk next Saturday what it'll be like concerning the Big Ten because we'll be – a week away from college football starting next Saturday. Well, we will all uh, break out our golf clubs for a, a little Saturday <laughs> fall golf, oh, and then we're going to hey, tailgate, golf brother. Clubs, <laughs> golf clubs, and we got to go to weddings, guys. Now we don't have any excuses. Man, what hey. happened? We're going to play scrambles in the morning, <laughs> weddings in the afternoon, and miss our football. Sharpie, I'm going to sneak away. I'm, I'm dead serious about getting down to Oklahoma, Texas this year. I've always wanted to see that game. Well, You've got a nice fantasy car. Mark and I will sit in the back. and uh, you know. <laughs> It sounds better than going to some socially distant wedding receptions. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull right. the, uh, the COVID card on the old wedding and invite. Sharpie, <laughs> <laughs> you have a good weekend, man. Thanks for, for checking in with us. As always, guys, thanks for cheering me up. Appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks, Gary. Well, yeah, sorry. I don't want to do that train thing. Huh? Reception. If you can't do that train thing. Oh, I got you. Okay. I thought you were. Never mind. Stop it. I don't want to do that. Right. So then, so then you're left only with the chicken dance. Come on. I, I hate the chicken dance too. Oh, I know. But part of that is part of that is that part of you is. It's kind of like the conga line, like, right? The train thing you're talking about. Yes. The conga line. Exactly. Conga lines a no, no. No, you no. Can't part do of the it. reason why you don't like the chicken dance, I don't. I don't either. I think it's part of that is just we're dead inside a little bit. Because mm-hmm. why? <laughs> let's just be straight. Like we we all hate dancing. I mean, let's just call it like it is. It's more time away from the open bar. Yeah. yeah. Damon's I, like, you guys better start drinking heavily today and uh, get out. So, Krainak, have a good weekend, brother. A week, uh, hey, Friday, you and me, Wilderness Ridge, deck right. show, baby. Outdoors, yep. sunshine, beautiful weather, phenomenal setup. And uh, come see us four to six Friday. We're at Wilderness Ridge and uh, excited to be uh, doing a road show Friday, Mr. Krainak. So, uh, we'll get we'll get geared up, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Take care.